So hello, everyone, and welcome to Coffee with Innovate Finance, our podcast series where we speak to leaders across the industry to talk about financial innovation and fintech. Today, we have a very special episode as part of a mini-series focusing on women in fintech, as well as wider diversity and inclusion. We will discuss the challenges faced by women in the industry, as well as implementing a DNI strategy, having an inclusive comm strategy and managing the work-life balance. I'm Parveen Dander, part of the team at Innovate Finance, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Sid Ulka, uh, the council at Ashurst, Helen Owen, VP of Marketing at Tribe Payments, Leanne Cotter, Chief Operating Officer at TrueLayer. So welcome to you all. Um, could you kindly please introduce yourself and your company and also tell us how long you've been working in financial services in the fintech area? And um, Helen, let's, let's start with yourself. Hi, and uh, thanks for having me. I'm Helen Owen. I'm VP of Marketing at Tribe. We are a payment technology company and we support uh, banks and fintechs to, um, to enable payments processing and a range of other uh, banking and payments functionality. Um, I personally have um, been in payments and fintech for just over 15 years, having worked at um, some bigger companies and also as a freelance consultant for nine years. Thank you, Helen. And Sid, over to you. Hi, I'm Sidalka. I'm a counsel at Ashurst. Ashurst is a multi-practice law firm. I sit in the regulatory team there, in the financial services regulatory team. I've been in the financial services sector over 11 years um, in uh, private practice for about six of those, of which uh, five in fintech. Thank you, Sid. And Leanne? Hi. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Uh, my name is Leanne Cotter. I'm the Chief Operating Officer for Tuller uh, and Manager Operations in the EU. Um, I've Truler, first Truler, um, we're an open banking provider. Um, we're the leading open banking provider in the EU and in the UK, and we support payments. Um, in terms of how long I've been in fintech, I've actually been in fintech. I didn't realize this until I was thinking about this this morning. I've been in fintech 10 years now. It doesn't feel like that, but it's true in a number of different guises. So I've seen a lot of changes over the years, which is good, but it's I didn't realize it was so long. But yeah, I've been in fintech for 10 years. Wow. Well, the time does surely fly uh, by very quickly. So look, I'd like to kick start uh, with a question. Um, if you could give me the three top challenges faced by women in fintechs or financial services, what do you believe they would be? Um, Sid, I'd like to start with, with yourself. Um, thank you, Parveen. So I guess um, when we talk about women and challenges, uh, just to kind of frame where I'm coming, where I'd be coming from, it's really um, the point of moving through the ranks in in terms of career you know it's we've got a great breadth of women at the entry point of um fintech and financial services but kind of progressing to senior roles and i'd say the three um biggest challenges that i, I would say that we see you know that, that i've at least personally seen and experienced um for for moving through the ranks is there's a real lack um 
of breadth of senior women in, in roles. It, there, there are women in roles, but the breadth and diversity of types of women in roles, um, for example, women with families and, and juggling, you know, managing that juggle. Um, the, the second is the, um, I guess, the, the natural approach and attitude regarding women and having families and, and being a parent and the kind of the paradigm there associated with it and the balancing of that act kind of the attitude of women can have everything but can't have everything at the same time. Uh, and the third is the inherent kind of masculine structure of, of companies because that's just how they're formed. We've got kind of a lot of men at the top and, you know, the way in which that works and, and, and the system working in that approach and, and how women can actually navigate through it and, and it's perhaps not being clear um, for women and, and, and kind of, perhaps on, on an average or general basis conflicting in terms of approach. Brilliant. Thank you. Some really great points there, Sid. I think that could take us to at least a, a two-hour podcast just to even touch on some of those topics. Helen, um, any thoughts in terms of the, the, the key challenges that you see? Actually, mine are very similar to, to what Sid's just mentioned. So I, I think... Um, I suppose picking up on that point about um, a lot of male hierarchy and, and that kind of traditional structures of, of companies, I think in, in our industry, some of that stems from kind of two things. If we look at um, just rudimentary um, split of our industry. So if you look at the kind of, let's call it traditional financial services or banking side, of course, that has very, um, very traditional roots, very old fashioned roots that are taking a lot more time to grow out of. Um, and there's still, and I hate this phrase, but I can't think of a better one, that kind of old boys club mentality in certain pockets of, of that side of the industry. Um, and I think things are changing, but very slowly. I think the other side of the industry that we would call now fintech, um, it's the tech element of that. So it's about we don't see enough um, women in, in technology roles. And so therefore, there is there's almost a limit to, to how far that women can progress in those organisations that are very tech led and perhaps we're not getting enough of those in at the entry point, or certainly to Sid's point, rising through the ranks. So I think some of it is, is kind of systemic, um, although I hope that in the fintech end, it would change more quickly than perhaps on the more traditional side. Um, I very much echo the point about uh, women with families. And I think um, I certainly have had that experience as well of, uh, of a lack of understanding of um, women. I, I guess traditionally, if it, in, a, in whatever family life or unit you have at home, it's common for the woman, and this may sound as a stereotype, um, it's common still for the woman to, to play a primary care role but what's not recognised is sometimes the woman can be the primary carer and still the, um, the main salary earner now. And, and that's a very difficult juggle. Um, and even if it's not about salary, perhaps responsibility level or 
whatever it is. And um, we're all trying to navigate how that might work. And, and I think it's it's not very clearly recognised by companies that, that that is a more common struggle than, than perhaps they realise. Um, and I do think feeding into that is about um, how that's preventing women to get to those more senior positions. Um, and also, to some extent, um, I think a lot of us suffer from imposter syndrome and also from, from, from thinking that we can't have all those things. We can't possibly balance all those things um, to have a family or, you know, whatever other commitments you've got at home in home life with, um, you know, a real leadership role in a business or, a, you know, heavy responsibility in your job role. Um, so, so we almost need a little bit more encouragement and self-confidence to help ourselves to get to where we want to go as well so they, those would be kind of my main points thank you helen and leanne um honestly the two girls hit the nail on the head there um 100 and I, I i think again i have two kids as well i'm a mother um and there is that is a huge factor right with a lot of women in organizations as especially as you move up through that through the hierarchy if you like um having been in fintech for 10 years i have seen in fairness in a positive way i have seen the needle move and i've seen a lot more women publicly in leadership positions within fintech and talking about things that you wouldn't have even talked about two years ago like i saw um and i think paulette Rowe in paysafe the other day posting on linkedin talking about mental health and the menopause you know that wouldn't have happened three years ago um, you know, Anne Bowden in Starling, there's a lot of female, a lot more, I think, female representation out there. But the fact of the matter is, and the two girls hit the nail on the head there, it's harder. Women have to work harder to get to the same level as men, I think. And it's just the reality. I suppose men have a ladder and women have a jungle gym. You know, it's harder to get up a jungle gym. You have to work harder to stay at the same level. And I think that's a big challenge by women and it's not really talked about enough because there's not a critical mass at leadership levels at all at all levels of the organization um and i think in terms of helping there i think it's just recognizing that that is an issue and that is a challenge and putting you know helping companies to put things in train so that you know whether it's training of men and women whether it's supporting people on things like imposter syndrome you know because it, it does there's a lot of there's a large cognitive load with dealing with that if you're a woman having come back coming back in the workplace and having to overcome those barriers and still do the same job and meet the same bar as a man um so while i suppose and to summarize you know while i think there's been a lot of progress i do think it is harder it's become harder because of the pandemic with women taking a higher share of the burden um you know so i think we're on the back foot we've taken two steps forward if you like and one step back so I think that's something that would be, it'll be interesting to see, especially over the next kind of, you know, two to five years, how that pans out. Brilliant. Thank you. Well, look, I'd like to just dive in a bit deeper in some of the topics, the challenges that you've raised. And um, you mentioned imposter syndrome. So I believe it's a Harvard Business Review um, published an article saying, well, it's not about imposter syndrome. It's about the environment um, 
and is it is it built and it goes back to the point Sid that you made in terms of these the the structures um you know being very uh, sort of male dominated and especially from the financial services perspective yes it is somewhat changing uh, Leanne as you mentioned in terms of the fintechs but what more or where have you seen companies do this well or what more do you think companies need to do to ensure that the right environment is in place for it to be more inclusive for everyone. Does anyone have any initial thoughts? I don't mind kicking off. Um, I, I think we've got a bit of a kind of a negative feedback loop going, right? And, and until there's sufficient breadth of women at the top, um, we still have those structures in place. So, you know, you can shift it as much as you like, but until you get there, it's very difficult to kind of shift it fully. So it's about kind of getting getting there. Um, so as well as there being the open conversations and active, active change, and, and I think you mentioned this, uh, somebody mentioned this point earlier around tokenism and ensuring it's not a matter of tokenism, but a genuine um, discussion and change in attitude. I think it also is helpful, it would be helpful to also help women coming up learn how to navigate and learn how to like it's, it's I, I remember once I had a really interesting conversation with somebody regarding um salary rises and promotions mm -hmm. and they just asked me did you ask it's like no but mm -hmm. it's on merit isn't it and it's very much generalizing but I know a lot of women are very similar well, like the, the, the confrontational aspect doesn't perhaps come as easy to them and it's on merit but actually a lot of these structures aren't um you know it's on the relationships and asking and being very direct and you know having that sort of both directions I think is needed um, to, to kind of shift everything as a whole as a system. Um, I'll, I'll, hand, I'll kind of um, hand over to Helen and Leanne because I can go on for ages. I would just add I, I completely agree with that I definitely think this is the, it's, it's a two-way street and it's definitely a journey um, so I think um, things that we can do. So I think those people who, those women who are making it into senior positions at whatever level that is, it doesn't have to be a CEO, but once you're in a line manager position of some kind, um, there's a lot you can do to kind of help the broader cause and to help your, um, the, the people in your teams to feel empowered by mentoring and just having one-to-one um, -one conversations about how do they want to progress their career what are their ambitions if, if you know if that's what they're looking to do and really set a good example for me there's nothing worse than a woman in a leadership position who doesn't behave in it you know in a way that nurture, nurtures their team and, and other women in particular um, so, so I think that any woman who is in a leadership role of some kind has a responsibility to help those who do want to rise through the ranks. But I do think that that's also a responsibility of anybody in a leadership position. I feel very fortunate where I am, um, that our MD sincerely believes in the value of diversity, all kinds of diversity. And so... I personally wouldn't ever join a company that didn't have that as part of their culture. Um, and I'm lucky that I've been able to make that choice and not everybody does. 
so but yes we do also have to be more assertive and to be brave enough to say what it is that we want and what support we need to get there but just sorry on that point Helen so that's very much that's very much on the onus being on the individual and and on yourself could anyone give me an example of what their organizations have done to create that you mentioned the word culture create that that culture or those structures in place where it, it also means that women can bring their true self to work that they can have those honest conversations you know we we touched on work life balance and i think especially during the the pandemic um especially you know do you think that now that narrative has somewhat changed in the fact that we can, you know, uh, see the, the challenges that women are sort of facing. Yeah, I can go. Um, yeah, I can give some examples, but just more generally, I think some of the themes that the girls touched on there, like one was imposter syndrome, one was ensuring that, look, you have to have a critical mass of women in the organization. Otherwise it's, you know, a sum female leaders that are isolated in positions and they're not supported. And then those women can take too much of a burden as well of, of making sure that, you know, diversity inclusion is a priority, you know? So I think we have to be fair there as well. I think the key thing is really around creating a culture of psychological safety where it's okay to have imposter syndrome, to be vulnerable and to, you know, to bring your whole self to work. Um, I think creating a balance in the culture, you know, you're not going to, there's no magic bullet, there's no silver bullet. So you're not going to change cultures overnight, but a lot of organizations are doing, you know, really good things, really positive things to try and address the imbalance. Um, like my former employer, employer, Facebook and WhatsApp and my current employer, Truler, both have, you know, equal parental, you know, leave. So men and women get paid parental leave. Um, you know, that was a game changer for me with my two kids. And it also, it means that you're having men and women having similar conversations, not just women having those conversations. So there's a lot like culture eats strategy for breakfast. So you, unless you change the culture from the ground up, whether it's women, you know, employer resource group, DNI employer resource groups, you know, a hiring strategy to make sure you bring the right talent in, you know, you know, having resources dedicated to advocating for DNI within organizations, you know, which my organization does, my previous organization did, you know, it doesn't move the needle overnight, but those are things that will change the culture. And if you have a good culture, you know, your programs will work or directionally they'll continue to improve. So I suppose that's probably a long-winded answer to your question, but, you know, I think especially with the two girls and their points that really resonated with me. But I don't think you can succeed unless your culture is adaptable to diversity and inclusion and specifically the needs of women. Yeah. And, and just to echo Leanne, it's, um, I fully agree. There's, there's the individuals that need to kind of make an effort. But if there isn't a very vocal conversation about DNI to the to the point where everyone's being brought along to the ride, and so it's front and center of everyone's mind. Then it, then that, then the culture can't be shifted. We have similar things, you know. There's gender neutral drafting policy. You know, there's equal parental leave. There's we've we've also having these similar, um, um, you know, mentoring similar kind of initiatives 
initiatives and and what it does is even for the individuals where you know who don't know you know just want to get on with their day job and they might not necessarily be thinking about dni it kind of forces everyone to be in that mindset and and that can slowly shift shift the shift the dial um because you know the, the more subtle points are the you know they're, they're subtle points as well to iron out but you know at least that's a beginning you know that's a start um and, and there is one point i just want to pick up from helen earlier which is this point regarding women and being the caregiver i think the, the the one area which i think still does need work is that women want to be you know many women not all women but many women want to be primary caregiver and work and that's and that's something that is a conversation that needs to be had and recognized and that's down to kind of you know to your point Leanne there's no silver bullet but at least you know being able to have that conversation rather than I'm going to put my work box here and my family box here and I'm just going to suffer and try and manage it's it you know that that's that's I would I would say kind of one of the biggest challenges that I've personally seen yeah, I would agree. I would say it's actually one of the the bigger hurdles that we have in terms of enabling women to get into those senior positions, because by nature that just happens at a certain stage of, you know, certain age, certain stage of your career. And then, of course, it often coincides with having a family or post family, if that's your sort of chosen route in life. Um, but also just picking up on points from both of you I think um, it, it's really interesting when you look at news stories um, just in general media not necessarily um, fintech that's focused on uh, you know the importance of, uh, of diversity and it's about it's very focused on the gender pay gap or how many women are CEOs and those things are really important but there's so, so much more to look at than that. It's these cultural, even just starting with some of these small cultural things. Yes, absolutely. Look at your gender pay gap. It is really important because in my mind, that should never have been a thing. right? Um, but there's so much more that you can do to help foster that equality and inclusion. Um, this shared parental leave is a perfect example of that. And I'm really encouraged to see, you know, these companies that are leading by example, um, I really hope genuinely there's more more of that that happens because these are the things actually. Brilliant, thank you. So just on that, do you feel that there's a real now shift in terms of it's you know it's not just about the pay, it's also negotiating on work-life balance as well. And do you feel that organisations are aware of this in terms of? So, you know, we, we touched on the, the culture point, but if you are looking, because, um, you know, one of the challenges with with all companies now is, is talent. So one is to attract the talent and the other is to retain the talent. Do you feel that there's there has been a shift in terms of focusing on other areas apart from, from pay for women? Or do you feel more needs to be um, done in that area? I think... Just very briefly, I think it's it's a you know it all comes down to the competitive environment that we're in, right? So as a fintech, we're a smaller fintech company. You know, we've less than four hundred employees, and we're winning talent from much larger companies where people want to leave that company and come to a place that you know. Prior 
prioritizes not just pay and you know work hard play hard but you know has a much more holistic view and a balanced view of your work life um I think that matters you know the, you know not no company is perfect but you know the fact of the matter is the numbers and the metrics type there is that you know the great resignation that's being discussed and you know it's top of mind for a lot of companies but the horse is kind of bolted for a lot of those companies and you know there's a lot of people leaving because they got to a level where they were so dissatisfied and they're coming to other companies and there are a lot of companies out there a lot of new fintechs that are winning talent from those companies and it's too late for a lot of those companies so i think you know competition by its very nature is going to push those companies to have to address a lot of those issues Otherwise, they're just not going to remain anyway competitive because they're just not going to have the talent. Yeah, and I and I think it helps that the work-life balance discussion is not just a women's discussion anymore. It's um, yes. it's a kind of a whole kind of wave of kind of talent, especially the youngers as well. Talent coming through, they they don't want to sit in the old model and and that I think really helps women as um in terms of getting more women through because if everyone's attitude has changed it's easier to have those conversations but the openness of the conversations I think is the key um for example I moved over to Ashurst when I was actually quite a few months out of maternity leave actually um and being able to have those open conversations about balance and being present and working from home um, was actually one of the reasons why I joined because you know there was a positive mindset around it there was an openness around it Um, and you and you also see it from the younger generation coming through there's more conversation around it more generally so it's that it's the culture um, that's being fostered um, And in terms of the whole conversation about women in financial services or women, you know, women in fintech, do you believe the discussion also now needs to be speaking about, you know, um, women of of color and you know those that maybe are going through uh, uh, like the menopause, those that are returning to to work? Do you do you believe we need to have sort of now deeper conversations um, with specifically in the challenges that sort of women face during during their, their lifetime or if say if you know a woman's going to go to do IVF or or whatever the case may may be um do you think there's now an openness within the organizations to dive in a little bit deep and also just to have a certain not initiative but th- things in place in order to support them or should it be you know whether whether you're a man or a woman or, or or however you identify yourself that we have uh, considerations dependent on your own personal journey this is a bit of a tough one let me have a stab um so Thanks, I, Helen. <laughs> that's okay that's it i may have forgotten the first half of the question already but the second on the second half <laughs> um just looking at this piece about um should we be looking at the the challenges that women in particular face so um, yeah, you know, people who've gone through IVF or menopause. Menopause is an enormous issue. I don't think we should get into that just now. 
but it is it's almost there are topics like this and that's a prime example that companies are a little bit afraid of but actually they absolutely need to at the very least have some understanding of how that can affect women in the workplace now as a woman of a certain age <laughs> approaching a certain stage in life I'm very acutely aware of this and um, it, it feels extremely daunting um, because there are physical effects there are mental and emotional effects um, that will definitely you know need to be taken into consideration I would love to see much more openness I don't think we're there yet um, I do see some of these topics starting to be discussed in platforms like LinkedIn and I think that's very encouraging but it's a very it's a very quiet whisper of noise um, so I think in, within companies at least you know I think better knowledge and understanding of some of these types of issues are important. I think the other questions, a part of the question was about um, women of colour. And for me, this is about diversity in general. So I always think that, um, so for me, I've just gone through a process of hiring um, a couple of new people from my team. Coincidentally, um, they're both men. But um, for me, when I go for, for recruiting for a role, all I am interested in is the right person for the job, regardless of whatever labels um, apply to that person. Um, and that's the way we should always do it. But we should always have in mind that when we, we go out to recruit, that we make it clear that we are encouraging um, diverse diversity in in ethnicity in gender in background experience people with disabilities or mental health conditions that that the support will be given so that those people will all apply in the first place and you will have a nice very diverse talent pool to choose from it's so important um, even though I've hired two two men I I have other kinds of diversity in that team so valuable for me um, you know, as a marketing team, um, creativity comes from, from being a diverse group and we each bring something very different to the table in terms of views and, um, and ideas and experience. Um, and that's the value you get from, from having a really diverse business and really diverse teams. Um, I still think, again, there's an awful lot to do to encourage that you know, real diversity, genuine diversity in businesses. Perhaps just to add um, to Helen, it, to, to my mind, there's, you know, there's in terms of diversity, both entrance point and, and throughout the life cycle of kind of the ladder, so to speak, or, or Leanne's jungle gym. Um, it's, it, I, I think there's a factor of education, right? So, so we all understand diversity because there's things, I, you know, we're discussing women, but there's other aspects of diversity that you know um, we all want need to understand more about, and and also to deal with the issues around unconscious bias, right? That's a topic that comes up a lot, and you know there's 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 not you know a lot of people aren't overtly kind of prejudicial now, right? It still exists. Don't get me wrong, and stereotypes exist and all that stuff, but there is a big factor of unconscious bias, you know, like in the, in the in, in women, it's, you know, too gentle or, you know, oh, 
whining or whatever if a woman is kind of raising something and just that natural instinct that some people have because of that inherent prejudice that they carry and and it's the same with any aspect of diversity so to my mind there is an element of um, education that is you know is happening but needs to happen more Um, you know we're seeing DNI a lot more coming up but there, there, there needs to be much more education around it, in, in my personal opinion. I would agree. Um, I think the girl summarized it really, really well. Um, I think I especially I want to say thanks to Helen as well for talking through. Like, there's a lot of stuff that we as women don't talk about or feel, even from the even from a teenage being a teenager, not feeling able to talk about things openly and it never being discussed, like never don't talk about periods, don't talk about the menopause. <laughs> So I, you know, I think it's really good to have this group of women together talking about it. Although I'm like, this is on a podcast now, it's out there. But anyway, um, but like on the on the subject of diversity, because there's just so much to unpack there. But like at the end of the day, you know, there's two key things, right? It's just good business to have diversity in your organization. You know, organizations that have a balance of diversity, not just gender, but all of the other dimensions, race, um, sexual orientation. Um, and I, as you said, Sid, the list goes on, you can slice and dice that whatever way you want. But it's so important. And like the organizations that prioritize that, that do have a balance. There's more innovation, they're more resilient, and they're more profitable. And like, that's just the data that, that shows that. Um, and in terms of getting there, though, I think everyone has good in, you know, to your point, Sid, I think people have good intent. I think it's realizing that you do, you know, taking the first step, realizing everyone has unconscious bias. You know, what can what are the aids you can put in place at all levels to address that? But also, you know, to steal your phrase, Sid, the negative feedback loop, you know, it applies to women, it applies to all elements of diversity. You know, if you can't see it, you can't be it. So there has to be a critical mass of representation across all of those different dimensions in leadership roles in organizations. Otherwise, it's not going to change the culture and it's not going to, you know, get um that diversity element in there and it's not going to make you know enable businesses to be successful like society buys from businesses you know businesses need to look like society and solve society's problems and everyone has you know depending on your gender or your race your sexual orientation you see problems differently Um, and you need to be spoken to with the same language you know so I think it's really really important Brilliant. So I, unfortunately, we have run out of time. So I'm going to end on that, that um, fantastic point that you made, Leanne, on, on that. Um, and it's not just, you know, it's also building the products of the of the future as well and, and having everyone, um, you know, at the table to build those um, products of the future. So I would like to say a huge thank you to Sid, to Helen and Leanne for your time and sharing your your key insights um thank you to you all thanks a million and girls it was just lovely to meet you Sid and Helen hope we meet face to face at some point